0: Welcome to the Responsible Capitalist podcast. My name is Carol Sanford and I'm your host for this program. So the Responsible Capitalist is really about doing due diligence on the social return. Many impact investors have gotten quite good at due diligence on the financial return, but this series of podcasts is to give you an idea of the likelihood of a social return, in other words, Will it really make any difference or are you just investing in something because these folks have a good heart and a good idea? That's the hard part. Today, I would like to pick up on one particular recommendation you may be hearing more and more nowadays, which is the idea that you should invest local. Now, that is, again, an idea that has good intention, but that may not be enough and I'm not even sure most people know exactly what it means. It's usually defined geographically. So it might be defined within city limits. It might be defined within a neighborhood. It could even be defined within a region. And of course, the intention there is to invest in businesses which are not shipping a long way and ones that support a place really being healthy. We know that there are three things that really help a business succeed. So if you're an investor, these are things that you could be looking at. And the first one is much more familiar. The first one is that the business itself needs to have a uniqueness. It needs to have something special. Something makes it different than others in the local area and perhaps even in the industry if what it's seeking to do is move beyond just its own local region. So that's the first step in due diligence is finding out what the uniqueness is and finding out how well that small business knows where it's positioning itself. And that's familiar. The second idea that we know really makes a difference is when small businesses are working in a community with others. Therefore, there are many new ideas about how an economic development council can be formed, how it is a community can invest in a uh, tax-structured support system. All of these are the idea that no person can think well enough alone, and they need thought partners, and they may want to influence policy. There's now research showing us that businesses do better because they can partner when they're in this nature of setup. There is a third thing that is probably not in your uh, list of things to ask about. And that is, is the place itself, the community, the local area, does it know the story of its place? What makes it unique? What differentiates it? So just to get a, a quick feel for that, When I say Paris, almost everybody has a whole set of ideas that instantly tell you what Paris is. Same for New York City, probably for San Francisco, but does your local community or the local community that the business is going to be building itself in fit? Now, why does that matter? One of the things that we know is when a place is strong, a place becomes strong and stays strong based on living out what that story really is. So we know even from research that in Paris, small businesses that start up and they draw on the culture, the history, the uniqueness, the resonance, what people think of Paris, they do better. We know also that they don't tend to have as many slumps during economic recessions. And, of course, as an investor, you're always susceptible to any economic slump that a region uh, falls prey to, as is that unique business idea in a local region. So let me tell you a couple of stories about what communities are doing and how investors can help this happen to strengthen their own investments. And, in fact, it also works for banks who are making an investment when they give a loan and philanthropic organizations which are making an investment even when they give a grant. There's one story which I find quite compelling and it's in the news again today, McAllen, Texas. McAllen is a place that invited Regenesis Group who developed story of place and they do it based on the study of millennia of um, experience with that place through research and interviews with folks. It means they understand the hydrological uniqueness, the geological, biological, the settlement patterns, the economic patterns, the cultural patterns, And out of that, they're able to what they call pop the essence of a place, pop the story of that place. And they did that for McAllen, Texas. McAllen, Texas found that a major part of how it defines itself is as a mosaic. That is because it was founded actually as a mosaic. A Scot married a Mexican woman, and he pronounced, his name was McAllen, by the way, he pronounced that they were now a mosaic that represented what that entire valley was about, the community grew up over the last 200 years finding what that was really about and how it worked. When that story was done as a part of a development of a downtown area, people said immediately they knew that was why they were drawn there. So the, the story of that place is that emerging and living out of a mosaic. The second thing that comes out of a story of place is the vocation of that. You know what's the, What's the work of that place to do? And because it's a mosaic and the economic development work that drew on that said what really makes it possible to make a strong economy is that mosaic and it plays out and they decided they would become the fair trade capital of the world. Only where you could value the harmony of all the different ethnics, the races who are there, and the difference of opinion and ways of seeing the world. What's happening right now tells us how that's even playing out in the immigration questions. Since they are the only place that are welcoming children in, they are building places for them to live. Families are taking them in, just as they always have. So this is not new. They have driven a bus to the border regularly for the last four decades to pick up children who were in Mexico, walk them across the border, take them into their public school system, and give them food and education. Now, people say why in the world would you do that? They're not your children. And they said, oh, but they are our children. This valley is a mosaic. And how they operate, how healthy they are, determines how healthy we are. So you can see that's playing out. What's happened now is businesses, which are founding themselves, are building on this idea of the fair trade capital of the world and the idea of a mosaic. They're working in community across all of those, and it's allowing the city to invest in them for strength and vitality. It's also allowing local venture capitalists and private equity partners to join them and know that the entire region is staying strong because it's unique. We do know from research that when we get the strength and identity of a place, that it lasts longer. Well, that place can be found through story of place. A second quick story is Paonia, Colorado. With Paonia, Colorado, they discovered that even though they had been in conflict, in fact, there were lawsuits, all sorts of problems, They had, an an essence, a story that had been there since native peoples were the primary people who lived there. They found there a learning valley, and once that learning valley metaphor for the story of place came into existence, it allowed them to build small businesses that were about solar education, and it became a destination place to come learn about how to build and use solar. Same thing for food. They are building value-adding processed food systems so that they aren't just selling raw materials, They're now able to help people learn how you can move that. And even their mines, the mining that they do is much safer than anywhere else, in the United States at least, and they are teaching people who are coming there to learn safe mining practices. It's made investing in that mine, investing in each of those businesses very powerful. So I recommend to you as investors, you either find a place that has story of place You invest in helping bring it there, because it's one of the most powerful things you'll do, and it's actually not even that expensive, and help them discover what the vocation of a place is. Today, I'm going to introduce you to a conversation with Leslie Christian. Leslie believes in local, and that's one of the reasons I wanted her here today. She is a financial investment advisor who offers advice, ideas, and resources from her company called Integrated Capital. She has a background, though, that makes her a leader and an innovator in social and environmental investing for over 20 years, long before it was the hottest subject. Leslie's currently focused on developing this company, Integrated Capital, building the new foundation, the new framework for portfolio management that allows global risk to be taken into account, as well as combining it with the personal vision and values and aspirations of each client. I'm going to let her tell you a little more about her, but it's very exciting and she's worked extensively on uh, addressing women's issues in the corporate world, including co-founding the Women's Equity Mutual Fund, which is now part of PACS World. I'm very excited to have you, Leslie. Welcome. Say just a little bit about what you do so they get a sense of what your work is in the world. Hi, I'm
1: Leslie Christian and I have been an investment advisor for most of my career. I'm currently an independent advisor working out of Seattle. Uh, I also am on the uh, board of the Business Alliance for Local Living Economies Folly, treasurer of the board, and I am a senior advisor at RSF Social Finance. So all of my work now is focused on uh, working with individuals and a few institutions around integrated capital and uh, aligning values uh, and capital with financial decision-making. Great.
2: Um, So I've talked to you just a little bit and heard you speak enough that I know you have changed course in your life in terms of how you certainly think about investing. And I think that would be very interesting to people to hear sort of your, you know, in a short version, your life journey to where you are now and what changed in your mind to make that
1: shift sure i uh, I started out as an English teacher as many young women did in the uh, late sixties and early seventies and at some point quite early on i became cl- it became clear to me that I wanted to work as an independent woman I did not want to do what was then a very conventional path of marriage and children and no no continued career so i Focus for the beginning of my career on making it in the in a man's world. that was that was my uh, my goal. And because I'm good at math and I was fascinated with the financial markets, I chose the financial industry as my path. I worked in various large institutions, including Solomon Brothers in New York City where i uh, I was a part of the founding group of people who developed the fixed income derivatives markets, so I was right there in the belly of the beast in terms of uh, the conventional financial engineering movement, if you want to grace it with that term somewhere along the way, I realized that I was not satisfied with just the money and the profit-seeking pattern of Wall Street. Uh, while I was I was successful, I still felt very marginalized as a woman and knew that there were bigger issues to be dealt with than simply making short-term profit. So I left Solomon and moved back out to the Northwest, which is my home, my original home, and began a, another journey, which was into the field of socially responsible investing, uh, driven by social equity, uh, but very, very soon thereafter, I began to learn about ecological issues, ecological limits, environmental sustainability, and I began to weave justice and the urgency of ecological limits into my work. I joined a company that became Portfolio 21 Investments. We founded a, a what was, I think, a fairly progressive mutual fund in the late 90s. Portfolio 21. And I've done other uh, work that has led me to where I am now, which is doing independent consulting with a strong focus on local economies.
2: When I uh, heard you speak in New York about a year ago, one of the things that surprised me and I've since tried to pay attention to is why one of the drivers of traditional investing about diversifying your portfolio Does not make sense. Would you talk about that? Since that is a golden rule in investing. And I think it's carried over into impact
1: investing as well. I agree. Um, So I think it's all about how you define diversification, right? So the principle of diversification makes a lot of sense. We learned it from our parents or our families or whatever. We learned not to put all of our eggs in one basket. We rarely do that. Sometimes we do that when we're really passionate and we're really convinced. But generally, the rule of not putting all your eggs in one basket, that makes sense. The problem is that it has become uh, the, the basket, the eggs in the basket have been uh, mixed up in, in, the, in the global economy. So that now, too often, the concept of diversification means, put some of your money in European stocks and some of your money in U.S. stocks and some of your money in uh, emerging economies and some of it in bonds of the same countries or companies so that we end up diversifying around the global economy. But the fact is that we are still in the basket of a global economy that is operating on the basis of overshoot, we're overshooting our ecological limits, we're overshooting financial limits and social limits. And so we're not really diversifying, we're betting everything on that global economy. So I think of diversification as, in, in a different way, I think of it as diversity, not diversification. Diversification has this idea that you want to, the sort of idea you put your money in all different kinds of places, and then some things do well and some don't, and too bad if the, for the things that don't do well. Well, that's a very uh, kind of cold and impersonal approach. And we're diversifying into things that really aren't, aren't different. The global economy is all connected now. And so everything is all connected to each other in a way that that, that is misleading. The diversification principle is misleading. And so if we think then, and and, and the whole principle of, one thing goes up and the other goes down and and you don't care. You don't care if something goes down. Well that that just doesn't feel right. I mean, there's a there's a piece of it that just isn't how we are in real life. So I think if we go back to 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 looking at our investments as real economy engagements, then we begin to think about the diversity of a portfolio and the fabric of a portfolio and how everything is connected and related and how relationships can start to build in flexibility and respect and responsibility and accountability so that I reject the idea that every portfolio has to be plugged into the global economy. I think you can accomplish as much or more risk mitigation by paying attention to the fabric that you're creating in your portfolio. And if you choose to weave your fabric in your local community, I am convinced, I know that you can build a portfolio that is diverse. It just doesn't have to be the standard sort of winner-loser mentality.
2: I hear a thread running through what you do, which uh, I think really differentiates you. And I would call that, Some look like the reality-based investment counselor. Um, So you're asking people to really look at reality in terms of the global givens Mm -hmm. and the communities they live in, to look at the realities in terms of their own life, but to put some kind of reality in terms of how do things work in between that and everything you come back to seems to be related to that. Am I making that up or
1: no? what do you think? You're not making that up. What I bring to my work is a, a a drive for understanding how things work and how they connect. And I know that it's impossible to understand every element of the complex systems we live in. That is it is it is impossible and and futile to really try to figure everything out. I also know that within the context of Financial markets, financial instruments, financial advisory services, um, management, there is a lot of understandable complexity, which is, is obfuscated generally or often, but there's also an ability, uh, there's, a, there's a possibility of untangling it, and that's where I think I, I provide a great um, aid to people because when you take these things apart and actually look at them, you get to some pretty interesting and pretty challenging observations and questions. So when you, for example, look at a fund and you start to break it down and you look at all the flows of money and capital and return and who's who's paying what and who's getting charged what and who's getting what return, it raises all the questions that I'm talking about which is where the, where I think you're hearing the reality-based. So for me, it's, it's pretty concrete. It's, okay, these are your values. Let's take a look at what this particular investment or fund or company or charity or whatever it is, is literally doing. You know, the old the idea that a financial statement, financial flows, cash flows, balance sheets, are they tell a huge story if you if you take it apart like a detective if you get in there and really dig it up, pick it apart and look at what, what went into these decisions then you can really see um you can you can really you really get the to me you get the, the proof the numbers and I, and it, and it, it's it's not about measuring impact at all it's about following the money So there's
2: one other thing that uh, is quite different about you uh, that I think people will need some help understanding. I know I do. The idea that you can invest locally is another contrarian idea, right? So can you define what local means? I mean, is it a spatial thing? Is it an emotional? I mean, where does it fall in definition? And secondly, how in the world would you help people make judgments about what to invest in locally? You know what's the criteria, the principles, the guidelines for really being a
1: local investor? Okay, so first of all, the question of what is local um, <clears throat> that depends i I don't think there is. i think that I think that there's a there's a sort of um, there's a sort of feeling about local, which is which is direct, it's, it's, it's financial relationships that are, to use Don Schaefer of RSF's phrase, relation, uh, financial relationships that are direct, transparent, and personal, and to avoid or to stay away from complexity and anonymity and, and opaqueness. So that, to me, it's really hard to do that if you're not, one-on-one, direct, and so for me, I can I can get to local being anywhere you want it to be. Local being a state of mind. Um, if I think about those principles of I want to have as I want to be as direct as possible. I want to be. I, I has to be transparent, and I have to understand it. Uh, it's more helpful to me when people have a, a place. When they are are rooted and grounded, like i said, it's just it just makes it easier. There's such a hard pull there then that you, you it makes it makes it easier to make make decisions when you when you have such a strong connection, but it's not it, it can be it can be local as a state of mind. Now, the question of how to help people invest locally, I want to say right up front, it is really so difficult, so challenging currently when you are dealing with non-accredited investors. The, the the truth is that people who are wealthier, who are accredited, have way more opportunities than people who are not wealthy. That is just a, a fact, and it gets back to the point I was making earlier that people who are wealthy have a little, I think, some responsibility, if they choose to take it, to actually get out there and build the local economy and, and make investments that they can, that they are legally able to make, and do things that ultimately pave and seed, not pave, I guess we don't really need any more pavement, but seed the field of local investing. Now, there are a few things people can do, and there, you know I do encourage people to, to, to use local credit unions and put money in local credit unions and local banks, to invest in RSF social finance, which is, again, a good example of local as a state of mind. It's not really my backyard or your backyard, but it's a state of mind, an approach, a philosophy that makes sense. Um, and there are a gro- there's a, you know, emerging uh, through the whole crowdfunding and direct public offering movement, there are more and more opportunities for people to invest small portions of money in local businesses. Uh, there are some emerging ways to invest in real estate, to invest in farmland, forestry. Again, limited if you are not accredited. Much more possible if you are an accredited investor. And so, it's one of the it's it's a, it's a challenge. It's not there yet for everybody. It's there for some, and I want to keep pushing it so that it's more it's it's more and more available to more and more people.
0: Well, thank you, Leslie, that was fabulous. And I knew because she is on the board of the Business Alliance for Local Living called Bally, that she would be able to give us insights into this idea of local investing. If you are either an impact investor or are you an entrepreneur trying to understand how to present to them, we have mastery groups that we run to help you learn this idea of due diligence for the financial and the social combined please send me an email at carol at carolsanford.com. Tell me what city you're in and I'll make it possible for you to know about what's either happening online, on the phone or on the ground where you are. And we'll see you next time.